Hi guys, welcome to episode 5 of Hashtag Life of a Surveyor. Um, it's been a week since I started this podcast and I'm just amazed. We have 85 listeners in a week. Now I keep saying we because I, th- I think you guys are all part of this. Um, I know I started it off and you know it's all about my work and my life and blah 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 but you're, you're a part of it now. You know, There's no going back. If you followed, that's it, you're stuck. Just don't hit that unfollow button. But no, thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much for listening and sticking with it. 85 listeners in a week. That's amazing. It's beyond my expectations, beyond my wildest dreams. I just hope that that grows. And, you know, I just hope that you guys are finding this useful. I've had a lot of feedback over the week and it's been largely positive. There have been some comments about you know the delivery of it and you know why am I bothering and stuff like that but it's all useful so please please do keep the feedback coming in get in touch if you've got any questions look me up the life of a surveyor on Facebook Instagram all over the place drop me a note you can drop me a message um, and I'll pick that up now this week we're going to be looking at occupying commercial property we've spoken about what is commercial property and the different types but how do you get into one you know, you, you want a property, you're looking for a commercial property, what do you do? So in this episode, we'll look at the different types of occupation and how you would go about acquiring a commercial property um, and the steps that go with it and, and sort of some advice really um, from experience. So let's kick things off. So what are the types of occupation that you can occupy commercial property under? There are two main ones a lease and a license. There are a few ambiguous ones as well, such as tenancy at will and tacits, uh, which the tacit is predominantly a Scottish law issue. So I won't go into that, but something to remember if you do have any properties or are looking for properties in Scotland. Um, And I would recommend that you go and get proper advice from a Scottish surveyor or a Scottish solicitor on that. So two main types lease and a license and they are very different and the key thing that makes them different is a lease offers you exclusive possession of a property and usually there is a rent for the benefit of that exclusive possession and a license is largely used for temporary occupation um, usually less than six months now looking at leases you can have a few different types of leases as well The usual one, if you're taking a lease directly from your landlord, is a head lease. Now, where you have a lease and you further sublet that property, you would be entering into a sublease with your tenant. Another type of lease is an assigned lease. Now, that is when you assign your lease, which you've entered into with your landlord, to another party and they take over the lease in its entirety. So if you've assigned the lease, the assignee is obliged to comply with all the terms entered into and agreed at with your lease to the landlord. If you're entering to a sublease, you may be able to vary the terms. And usually subleases require the consent of the superior landlord, so effectively your landlord. So if we're looking at it from a chain's perspective, it would be the landlord, you would be the tenant. So between landlord and you as a tenant, you would have a head lease. Now you as a tenant and you sublet it, you would have a sublease and then separate chain is the assigned lease. So hopefully that makes sense. It would be easier if this was a video podcast and I could do a quick diagram to show you, but um, hopefully that makes things clear. So you've got head lease, sublease and assigned lease. So one of the things that 
was originally commissioned by the British Property Federation was a model commercial lease. Now, this is a client-led project, and this included a few well-known law firms, some clients, and some trade organisations who represented on the working group that produced the document and then sort of did extensive informal consultations with various other people um, in creating this document. Now, this document is the model commercial lease, and this is available to anyone at all. You don't have to be a surveyor or a lawyer. You know, it's available to Joe, Joe Blogs to go online, search it up modelcommerciallease.co.uk and it's specific to the UK. Now, what this does is it has set a precedent document for a lease for various types of property. In the last podcast, we mentioned the different types of commercial property. You've got office leases, retail leases, leisure leases and industrial leases. And the model commercial lease has an individual precedent document for each of these categories. And you can go online, take a look, it's, it's plain and simple. You go in, put in all the details and it churns out a document which you can use as the lease for that property should both parties, landlord and tenant, agree to it. Now, it's a useful document and it's a good reference point as well to see whether you've got the right terms included in the lease and whether they're fair to both parties. So the intention of the model commercial lease is to avoid the unnecessary negotiation on sort of the routine letting transactions and it, and it kind of represents a fair starting point for both parties. So it is a good thing and you can sort of start off with this model commercial lease and, um, you know, tweak it here and there to, to suit your needs and sort of personalize it to to your requirements but that document is out there and ready to sort of help you with that so modelcommerciallease.co.uk you can check it out so now you've got your lease agreed and you know how you're occupying property you want to look at what you want to do with the property now if you're occupying it for the first time there is a slim chance that the property is exactly how you want it or you've just taken it over and you know it's already set up ready to go ready to occupy ready to trade out of ready to manufacture out of though there may be some instances where you either have an occupation of a shell and you need to fit it out or there's a previous tenants fit out and you just strip it out and put your own fit out in or you just want to make a few changes to the to the layout or you know sometimes you want to make changes to the actual structure now your lease might enable you to carry out these alterations and you may or may not need consent from your landlord depending on how your lease is worded there are certain things you could do with the property that don't need consent they are already agreed as part of the lease and that's something you'd need to be careful of when you're drafting it of what you want to include now if you're a landlord you want to restrict alterations to your property by the tenant as much as you can if you're a tenant you don't want to be going to the landlord and asking them oh please landlord could i do this to the property oh please landlord can i make this change to the property because every time you try and make a change to the property you will most likely need to enter into a license for alteration. And this is an expensive process because in essence, all you're doing is getting consent from your landlord to say, yes, I can do these works, but you need to get it documented formally. And it's usually done through solicitors and fees can vary depending on how detailed you want the uh, license to be. Now the license for alterations needs to include detailed plans of what changes you want to make, when you're going to do them, how you're going to do them. So. A lot of times I'm advising clients on licenses for alterations and they seem to think that we're giving too much information. Now, I'm a firm believer that there's never, ever a point where you give too much information. 
unless it's confidential and stuff like that, but then you can deal with that way in DAs and stuff. But I feel that when you're dealing with the license for alterations, you've got to remember the property is leased. It's not yours. You don't own it. So you're effectively changing someone else's property. Now, if you put yourself in the landlord's shoes, you would want to know every little thing that's changed in that property over the course of your tenancy. And that's exactly why having these licenses well documented is important. Now, what do you need to include in that? I would always include detailed plans and I'd try and get them in A3 format if possible. And if you can, A0, which is massive poster size um, but it gives you every little int intricate detail and I I'd have them in CAD format so they're properly drawn so you might want to get a, an architect or someone similar to try and get it professionally drawn just so it's all you know it's all done properly you know it's done properly and um, there's as much detail in the drawing as, as, as you would need and if it's done on CAD chances are the surveyors will know what they're looking at not always but most of the times so detailed drawings you need RAMs. Now, I always get asked, what the hell are RAMs and why do I get asked for them? RAMs are risk assessment and method statement. What are you doing? How are you doing it? And this is to satisfy health and safety more than anything. So, landlord wants to know, okay, you're doing work on your site, but how exactly are you going to do it? Now, if you say you're going to be, let's say, curtain wall in facade of the shop, right? You're going to get full full glazed front you're going to curtain wall it how are you going to do it where are the glaze where is the glazing going to be attached to the build fabric of the building how is it going to hold together how are you going to get up at higher level you're going to use uh, muse mupes lifting equipment whatever it's called as you know i'm not building surveyor so i don't use a lot of these things i do go on them occasionally but i don't know the technical terms uh lifting equipment how are you going to get it on and off site safely are you going to cordon off blah blah, blah. again more detail the better so we need to know how everything's connected how you're going to do it what are you going to use are you going to do health and safety have you looked at the risks you know what's the chances of someone falling out of that lifting equipment on the way up probably not going to happen it has happened before i've had instances where it's happened before not to myself but i've seen it happen people have gone up on these um cherry pickers and you know they've not had their harnesses they've not had a hard hat on and they've tumbled over and they've seriously seriously injured themselves so you know whatever you do i know it seems excessive putting hard hats on safety goggles high vis safety shoes but you know what it's for your safety and it does help i know you think if you're going to fall from a building what's a hard hat going to do but you know it's not just for that i've had one instance where i've been on site there's been someone on scaffolding above me. I'm having a little briefing downstairs and he must have dropped a screw or a nail or something. And it went straight onto my hard hat, cracked my hard hat, but it didn't go through my skull. So I am grateful for wearing PPE. And it made me realise that, yes, even though it is stupid wearing it indoors and stuff, you do need it. So again, health and safety is a big thing. And the risk assessment method statement does help with that so that will be attached to the license for alterations what else will we have in there you will also have certain clauses to say you can only do the works within a certain time frame if you don't do them you need to apply for another license you need to lodge to all planning requirements you may need to pay a fee to the landlord for granting you this license and this will be documented within that license there'll be a license fee there might be an amendment to the lease so you know the, the license will refer to it if, 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 if there is anything like that so you know it, it could say that the land the landlord can ask you at the end of your term to remove any alterations and reinstate it back to how you found the property upon the landlord's request 
So there's technicalities like that that will be drafted within the license and that will all be done by the solicitors. So you wouldn't really need to worry about that, but it's just a few things to look out for. I might do a separate podcast specifically on licenses for alterations because it is it is a big big topic and it does happen um, as part of property management and landlord and tenant stuff so i might do a separate podcast on that but i think as an overview you should be able to get a flavor of what what it, what it all involves so you get your license for alterations it's all granted landlord says yep go ahead do the works you do the works landlord's happy you're happy and then you know you're okay until you want to check make another change or your lease is coming to an end where you kind of need the landlord to say do you want me to take it out or not let me know but again it's as per the wordings of your lease and it's very specific to each individual property so if in doubt read the lease if in further doubt after reading the lease ask a surveyor's opinion or a solicitor's opinion and they will be able to clarify things for you so that is getting into a commercial property so it's been a very very brief overview but hopefully you'll be able to understand what is involved in getting a commercial property and occupying it and what, what you might need to do in order for you to occupy and benefit from that property for your intended use. So guys, I think um, just a little bit of a thank you for bearing with me on this. It's a bit of a rushed episode. I've been trying to get it done for ages and it's taken a while. I know in the intro I said we've got 85 listeners, but in the time it's taken me to get this out, um, it's actually jumped to 145 listeners. So you know what? It's amazing in the space of another week. So it's taken me two weeks to get this out. You know, my listeners have jumped. So thank you. Thank you so much. Please do share the podcast if you know someone in the in the surveying industry or if you know any landlords, you know, any tenants anyone that's bored and needs something to listen to whilst they're on the train or you know trying to fall asleep please do point them towards this podcast the more listeners the better if there's any content that you want me to cover let me know and again feedback please let me know how i'm doing so yeah no thank you very much for listening and stay tuned for the next episode and i hope the next one won't take as long as two weeks to get out so thank you very much and catch you soon cheers